You're tuning into Seven Figure Fitness Business. Today, I'm here with Andrew G. Hey, guys. Now, Iggy couldn't be here this week because he actually got married over the weekend. So congratulations, Iggy. And what we're going to be doing on this episode is actually dissecting some of the amazing results that we've had in our Australian fitness businesses recently. And what we've decided to do is I'm going to be essentially interviewing AG about some of the decisions that he's made or that we've made and some of the problems that we've identified and how we've actually gone about solving them. And I guess the impact that we've actually been able to have. So I think you guys are going to find this an extremely valuable episode, getting into the mind of a almost eight figure fitness business and the way that we run that. So what I wanted to start off by asking, G, is if you can give us a bit of a lay of the land, sort of what we've been working on for the last three, six months, you know, you can set the timeline, but give the listeners a bit of an understanding of what's been happening. The first thing I want to start with is we're talking about this at a really good time. We just came off our best week of history, and it's always good to reflect upon the past and where you've come, because without being able to reflect on the past, you're not really being able to make decisions about the future, because we've got to make more correct decisions than poor decisions. And we've come a really long way in the past six months. I think we've had our struggles with different things. Things have gotten more expensive. One of the big problems, you know, that I really want to talk about today is the constant increase in prices of Facebook ads and how we actually go about reducing those costs. Because every decision that we make is going to be data-driven. So because that cost is always elevating, we need to find ways of pushing it down. And the biggest lever that we've been able to pull recently is to actually use different brands. A lot of people go, okay, I'm going to try different photos. I'm going to try different copy. I'm going to use a different offer. And they stick to the one brand. So let's just say like what we did early on was we worked with women with hypothyroidism. But when you're spending, you know, $30,000, a week on advertising, that dries up over a period of time. And not only that, the leads become more and more expensive. So the biggest lever that we've been able to pull recently is we've gone fit over 50 master your menopause, I'm going to be doing reverse your risk. And we've got fit over 45, right? And all these brands, we just effectively are now choosing the brand that's getting us the cheapest leads and having the most effect that people are finding effectively the most interesting, the brand that people want. So this has been a really fascinating thing to observe. And I've definitely seen a huge impact that we've had in the businesses. You know, for a long time, we were basically at the mercy of Facebook, good old Mark Zuckerberg, right? We'd have a great week, the ads would be cheap, and then the next thing, they'd just go up. Now, I know at the moment, the way that you and Master Manny run the ads is that effectively, if one business, for whatever reason, the ad spend just goes up, you know, Facebook does its thing, you just basically turn down the ad spend almost to zero on that particular brand, and you really focus on where we're getting the cheapest leads, right? You're essentially fishing for cheaper leads. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to drive any business. We've got to get a higher return on investment. Mm. If you're sitting out there grinding a three to one return on investment, it's virtually, you know, the size we're at, it's virtually impossible to be profitable, which we had dips where at times we got that low. And then, you know, when you're putting out a five or six, it becomes very, very easy to scale the business. So we just literally focus our attention on the brand that's winning at any given point in time. And the big thing to note here is the fluctuations in Facebook. Like it's insane. It's insane. We could run an ad one day and then it's going to cost us $120 for a booking. We then run that exact same ad the next day and we're going to get leads for $30. 
And the fluctuations are huge. So you imagine that's at the scale we're doing, $30,000, $40,000 a week on ads. So for most people, think about the fluctuations when you're only spending $100, $50, $20 a day. It's just like up and down. It's crazy. I see the weekly scoreboard in terms of how much we're spending on ads and the results that we're getting. And what I've noticed is consistently that you're getting the ads really under control with like actually a quite sort of consistent weekly budget. But also as a result of that control, and we're getting better efficiency of leads and all efficiencies in other areas of the business, I can see that the ROAS or the ROI continues to improve. So it's definitely had a phenomenal impact. Now, I wanted to ask, like, this is a rather innovative idea in the online fitness space. So how did you come up with this idea? Well, I think like the big thing about it was we changed brands, right? We introduced Fit Over 50. There was this point where we're just going, okay, $100 bookings every single week with our thyroid business. And that gets painful for after a while. And then we jumped in and go, okay, well, let's try fit over 50. Boom, $30 lead. And it's just like perhaps there's an entire business model behind creating brands. So therefore, it's like, okay, well, we set up systems. We've set up McDonald's-type systems where when we want to create a new brand, we send away to Connor, our copywriter, and we say, okay, we need to do reverse your risk. We need landing pages. We need ad copy. We need every piece of writing you can possibly imagine. I talked to Matty. And then I say, Manny, mate, we need to set up all those apps, automations, all the ads. Then we send off and we get a graphic designer to create a logo and everything's done so that we can get a brand up within a week. Now, before we do this, and this is super, super important, and this is something that everybody can take away from this, don't go spending all this time working on a brand like that unless you know it's going to work. You can literally start trialing it out, see what the engagement is if you're not necessarily spending money on ads. But the other thing is all you do is you change your business page name and you send traffic through there. You can pretty much have virtually everything the same as it was and see exactly what people's response is to it. Because the difference between a good brand name and a bad brand name is crazy. I want to give an example. Like we've got two guys currently in the program and one of the business names, is it was something that I didn't really like. It was like the Lioness program or the Lioness project or whatever. And what we did with this guy in the program is we asked him, we said like, look, you're not getting any leads and they're costing like $10 per conversation. And I look at that and I go, geez, like that's so expensive. And then I look at this other guy and he's got a business brand working with mums as well. And it's called the New Mummer Initiative. And it's like, that's a really cool name. You know, instantly hear that and I love it. And he's getting $2 bookings. Now let's not forget, both people are getting the exact same systems. The ads look identical because we've given them the structure. They're both early on. The only difference is the name of the business. Okay, well, let's stop there. So what about the business names make them good and what makes them bad? For me, people try and make business names really sexy and they overthink them. They talk about something that, like the Lioness Project, it has nothing to do with weight loss. People need to read the business name and know exactly what it is. So when we've labeled our business, it's like hypothyroid body transformation, master your menopause, fit over 50. They're all boring names, but mm -hmm. people know what they do. Right? So when people read it, they go, oh, that's me. And particularly when we're focusing on a niche, you know, the idea with marketing is you need people to say yes, yes, yes. And if they say no at any stage in the early part of the process of the marketing process, they don't click because confusion results in people not making a decision. It's very much the same way they do in sales. Yeah, I would say that our original business name for online was one of the least sexy business names anyone's ever heard, right? Hypothyroid body transformation. It's a mouthful. It doesn't exactly come good. And a lot of people get on the phone and go, ah, hi, hypo, and you're like, hypo BT. So, I mean, but the thing is though, why that was genius. And remember you having this conversation is that Facebook was also making it a little bit difficult to market after certain things. And so by having it in the name, it was like the clue was there. 
And anyone who read the name was like, I know exactly what this company is here to do. Whereas if you have like a random descriptor, you could say like extravagant nutrition or infinity exercise. Those are the kind of names that they have no meaning and they might sound snazzy, but no one actually kind of cottons on to what they're supposed to be about. So they have to actually go to the next level, which is to like imagery or to the copy to actually find out. It's like they have to sift for clues. This just makes the whole job a lot easier for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think like people forget that people are going to research you. People always click on the business page name. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like even for myself, like when I'm seeing an ad that I like the look of, the first thing I do is I right click, open in a new window and have a look at the business page to see if they're real, to see if they're authentic. And when I feel that's good, then I go back and click the ad. Mm-hmm. We have the data on that. And the data suggests that 70% of people click on your business page either before or during the time that they're actually doing your app. I want to go back to Andrew versus Facebook, right? So we know that when it comes to online fitness businesses, Facebook is often the real pain, especially if you're using paid ads because a lot of people don't know how to play the game. Now, you've got quite a few tricks up your sleeve that you use and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind going through them. We've talked about the multiple brands. What do you do when, say, Facebook shuts down your ad account, which they do inevitably at some stage? Yeah, that's it, particularly in health and fitness because it's very easy to push boundaries And the thing is, you need to have compelling ad, right? Mm -hmm. You also need to live inside the laws. The other thing just to throw out there as well is, I mean, there's really no recourse with Facebook. They shut down your ad account. You're just at their mercy until they decide to open it up. It's not like you call their help support center. There's nothing. So you have to learn how to play the game at their level. Yeah, that's right. You've got to protect yourself against Mm -hmm. the future, like what could potentially happen. And for most people, they have one ad account. They have one business manager and they have one Facebook page. And they have one personal profile, right? So there's four different stages where you can get blocked, right? Yeah. Just to clarify, the personal page is, you know, your own name, your own profile. And then you've got the business manager, which is your actual business, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you put in your business numbers and details and so forth. So you're actually registered as a business. And then you've got your ad accounts and you can have multiple ad accounts under each business. I think like for most people, you can have up to like 10 or something, three if you've got a new account. And then, of course, you've actually got the page name. So the page name can be moved across any ad account. It's not exclusive. Now, what we do to protect ourselves is we have obviously multiple people on the account. So there's myself, there's Manny, AP, you're on there for safety as well. Maybe we'd never ever go in there. <laughs> That's right. We're using mine. It's just like, hey, if we get stuck, it's like I have the ability to log into your account. Uh, yeah. We have multiple businesses, right? So we have three different businesses. Plus, we have an ad manager who's helped us over time. So we actually have four different businesses that we could log in. Now, each of those businesses then has over 10 accounts. Some of them have like two or three. Other ones have like more than that. But averaging out, we've got 10 accounts each. So if any one of those get blocked, we just go next, 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 and there's no troubles. And then also, obviously, we've got a number of different brands. We've got Fit Over 50. We've got Mastery Menopause, et cetera, et cetera that all can be distributed amongst all of those ad accounts at any time. Yeah, so I'm going to pay you a compliment now. And what I've noticed over time is that when things break and when things challenge you in business, you've always kind of found a way to innovate or come up with a solution to the problem, even if you had to sort of think outside the box. Now, I think what I notice is a lot of the time for somebody who's going into ads, they get the ad account shut down and it's just literally like someone's taken away their car. They're like a teenager without their car and they're stuck at home 
and now they're miserable. You know what I mean? And I think with yourself, the way that I see that you kind of went about this process is quite early on in the piece, you realized that if you didn't find a way to minimize the risks that Facebook could impose upon you or us, then we were going to at some stage inevitably be shut down and the business was going to be basically paralyzed, you know, for a period of time. So you've gone about initially creating multiple ad accounts, right? That was a huge thing. Until we did that, we were at the mercy of Facebook. And then obviously in recent times, realizing that Facebook can sometimes just put the ad spend up and there's nothing you can do, seemingly, you've created a new system for creating brands. And what you've done that is so genius is not only have you found a new way to create brands, but you've now systemized the process and you just sort of said it earlier, like it was a throwaway line, like no big deal, but you've effectively got it now so that within our team, we can get a new brand up within like one to two weeks, which is incredible. The thing is we can do it over one to two weeks, but if we had to, we could do it in half a day, right? Yeah. It is possible. And you've got to be that adaptable in big business. Sure, you've got to protect yourself against so forth. But like, I'll give you an example. And part of the reason I developed this system for making sure we have 40 different ad accounts is that we got blocked and we had struggles. And like, literally, I was going to the local shopping center to buy burner phone numbers so that I could create new personal Facebook profiles to create accounts, right? So, <laughs> funny story. You imagine like I'm at Woolworths at the shopping center and I'm buying like three mobile numbers and I'm like, I promise I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> I didn't even know you did this. That's so funny. That's crazy. So, I'm really interested to know, like, do you think that anybody else out there is actually utilizing this multiple brand concept in the way that we are at the moment? I mean, I'm sure people are that we don't know about, but I don't see anyone doing it at our sort of scale. I think there's other people with different models who are doing it more like a revenue share based deal using the marketing for different businesses, but not the same way we are. Mm. And I think like there's so many different ways. Like I think people forget to actually, if you're changing the brand name, if you're changing the offer, it's just like a tool in your bag of tricks to just keep on cycling through new things and giving people new options. When we started the episode, what we talked about was basically some of the changes that have been made in the last sort of three to six months and and basically the impact they've had. Now, we've spoken about what I'm sure we agree is the biggest one, which is basically the multiple brands on the front end. That's been huge. What would you say has been one of the other big changes that we've made? That's the entry of you into messaging. What happened a while back is we had a staff member and it didn't work out with manager. We have a big VA team and it was her role to manage the team. And it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to work out. And mm-hmm. uh, we were just like, well, I said to you, AP, look, come back into the business because you're very much, you know, outsource yourself out of the business. There's barely anything you do apart from manage the sales team and you know, yeah. train them, which is in plenty of passion areas, right? Mm-hmm. But what we were able to do was bring you back in to start training the VA department from more of a sales perspective. The reality is like our VAs are having conversations with people, they're booking them in, but they were booking them in from a lower sort of level and bringing you in so they can start thinking of it more so as the start of the sales process. Yes, we have a bit of backstory. We have like two major projects, I guess you could say. We've got fitness and then business coaching. And definitely I'd been sort of quite outsourced for some time now out of fitness, working a lot more in business. And Andrew, in the way that he does, analyzed and found a problem. He analyzed the numbers, found a problem. And it was that basically when it came to the bookings team, which we have an amazing team of Filipino VAs uh, using a great system, what was happening that was not so good, though, was that the efficiencies in there, the quality of the conversations and also how many bookings we were getting per conversation had started to drop significantly and consistently over time. So we made a staffing change or uh, someone moved on 
And then basically that's been my project is to go in there and to actually analyze the quality of the messaging and the systems. And it's amazing how having that oversight has made a phenomenal difference. I think we've improved by about 8% in about the last six weeks now, which is a huge, huge outcome in terms of our bottom line. Yeah, it's huge. Like you think about it and let's call it a 10% improvement. Like last week we did 283K in accrued revenue, right? So obviously we're not going to collect all of that. There are going to be people who drop out or nag along the way. COVID issues sort of, sort of happen. But you look at a 10% change in that and that's worth like $28,000, right? If you can actually make that change and have more people booked in or it'll reduce yeah. our ad spend, making the business more profitable. So it's just like everything that we do is a data-driven decision. Like I identified that as the biggest lever of leverage that we could pull after the branding. Yep. And it's like, okay, we keep working on that. And it's become, like, credit to you, AP, like it's just become so much more efficient. We find that we're getting bookings and we're finding that the cost of those bookings is significantly lower. And when people hop on the phone, they're more bought in because the quality of the conversation seems to have gotten better. One thing that I did do in that department was change the bonus system because I realized that the bonus system that was previously there was rewarding what was essentially mediocre performance. Now, the average bookings that a VA was getting in our company per month per person seemed to be about 150. And yet our bonus structure started at 75. And it just didn't make any sense to me is that we were giving people essentially a safety buffer for not really having to perform at a level that we were happy with. So what I did was I stripped the bonus at the bottom and made it far more generous at the top. So essentially what I'm trying to do is really motivate people that are struggling a little bit to hit that minimum level that we're looking for. And I also gave more incentive to the top performers to keep working harder so that there was a bit of a pay gap essentially between good and great and okay performance. And, and obviously if there's negative performance, which I hope that there's none, those people will feel the pinch. So sometimes it's about analyzing the system and seeing if it's actually set up in a way that is going to motivate the results that you're actually looking to achieve. Yeah, it's a big thing. You want to make sure that you're rewarding the behavior that you want. Okay, so we've had some we've had some great discussions. I want to go one final direction for this before we finish up. And that's basically looking at what's next. As a data-driven guy and as a company that does that, what do you see as the major lever for us to pull or the major project in the next sort of three to six months? I think it's going to be having more and more brands. Like mm -hmm. when we look at it, ad spend results in about probably 20% of mm -hmm. our, it's a 20% expense. But if we can start dropping that down and getting it to a 15% expense, we can drop down to a 10% expense. That's how the business is going to grow. Or you can go the other way. You can go, okay, well, I'm going to have 10% more bookings. I'm going to have 20% more bookings. As we kind of said, if you have 10% more bookings, you're going to close 10% more people, which is an extra $28,000 a week for us. But then the next set of problems is, and this is the big thing we discussed the other day, is it's like, do we actually want to grow? Yeah. If we decide that we're going to grow, we have to have 10% more staff to look after the people that we're bringing in. Well, this is the thing. It's funny, like Andrew and I were on a call last night and Andrew in particular was speaking to our CEO, Sheree. And the conversation topic, you would probably consider to be a little bit bizarre, but this is what happens, right? So we'd had our best ever week where in Australia, we sold about 273K, I believe it was. Uh, and then the UK had about an extra 12 on top of that. And basically we kind of had to say, well, I mean, could we actually <laughs> afford to do this every week? Because if we do, we'd have to recommit to another level of business size. So we'd have to go in and hire more staff and you have to make a decision. How much are we going to spend on ads? What's the size that we want the business to be and how profitable are we? Sometimes you want to grow. Sometimes you want to consolidate and build efficiencies. And, you know, we kind of have been really comfortable lately in that efficiency and consolidation phase, but it's like we can't help ourselves right now with all these new brands coming in. The growth has just continued regardless, right? Yeah. It's not a real problem, is it? <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. We can't spend enough more money. We can't grow. It's the sort of thing, and this is what I love about business, just being able to make those decisions and really think logically about your next moves. It's like a, a problem that you're always trying to solve. <laughs> and it's a, there's a double-edged sword here because it's like, okay, there have been times where we haven't made as many sales and we haven't been happy with our performance. We've seen the weeks where we've hit three to one ROI and being super, super frustrated with it because obviously in that week we break even. On the plus size, you get a six to one ROI and like, Maybe, yeah. yeah, like we explode. I think it was our best result ever. I think our profit off it last week in terms of ad spend is like something like 140K. We want to make the most of that, right? Like, you know, logic says that we do that. Let's go again and go again and go again and just take that opportunity because we don't know when the next cold cycle is going to come, when it's going to be tough because business goes up in highs and lows, right? Yeah. So like the ads, the leads are super cheap at the moment. The teams are firing, the sales team's on fire. Do we just keep on going as much as we can and take that and let the team deal with it? Because they're going to be over capacity. It's going to frustrate the team. It's not going to be the best culture if everyone's working 45, 50 hours a week to keep up with their work, right? Completely agree. And I think this is also a big part of why we always say that we have such an advantage in the business coaching space by having a large, successful fitness business because we see how the industry does need to be constantly evolved. And the truth is, is that you look at your dashboard, you don't just solve a whole bunch of problems and go... Right, we're done forever, you know, because the industry changes and we fix a problem and then eventually it resurfaces as the industry shuffles and it molds itself and Facebook will do this and that. And so basically what people get access to, particularly from an analytical perspective, having access to you is that as you continuously observe the industry and innovate to give us an advantage in terms of profit and all that kind of stuff, you kind of pass that genius, that knowledge onto the members and they get to benefit from that in their own way. And I think from a perspective of, the results that they'll get, that's very valuable. But in terms of teaching them how to be critical analyzers themselves in the future, I think, you know, to use that sort of cheesy MasterCard thing, that's priceless. And it really is because if you can effectively in the time that they're with us, teach a business owner how to do this themselves, they're going to be set for life. Yeah, it comes down to what people want. and I suppose what we can do is we can teach people business at the next level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even on this, if you got this far in the podcast episode today, okay, the stuff we're talking about is high-level business. It's like making data-driven decisions. And we definitely didn't make data-driven decisions at the start. And it's just very much you need to understand this. And if you want to run a legitimate business, if you want to run a seven-figure business, you're not going to get to seven figures without constantly being able to use that information and make powerful decisions that are going to constantly move your business in the right direction. Because that's what this is about. It's about making more correct decisions than incorrect decisions. Yep. And we believe, we're not going to beat around the bush. We believe this wholeheartedly. We're willing to say it. We believe that we have the best online fitness marketing team in the world and the best online fitness sales team in the world. And who wouldn't want to get access to those systems? If you sort of are thinking about other masterminds, I take these calls all the time. I know what people have done. I know who they've spoken to. I know the results that they got and the sort of service they were delivered. I promise you, no one else is teaching you this stuff in fitness. No one else is teaching you this data-driven decision-making, the multiple brand stuff, basically how to analyze and problem solve and grow at this level. Most of them are teaching you how to go out there and post more stories. Actually, again, we had this conversation the other day, but I truly believe wholeheartedly, 100%, we're number one in the world. There's no one who's got a better marketing team spending as much money as we are in IT fitness. There's no one. Not that I know of. And if you know of someone, let us know. But not only that, in terms of deals that we're closing in fitness, number one sales team in the world. 
And there's a real caveat on the marketing front because what I've noticed is that there's some really big names in the business coaching space who will say, I spend hundreds of thousands per month, whatever. But the thing that they don't make clear, and you'll notice that they leave it out of their language, is they don't spend that on fitness. They spend that on you guys to market you into their company. So there's a big difference between spending on business coaching and spending on fitness. You want somebody who's actually an expert at marketing for fitness. Otherwise, that's not necessarily going to translate over to you and what you're doing. Yeah, we know a few people in the industry and there are people in this industry who say they've made these numbers in fitness, but they actually haven't. Mm-hmm. And you talk about having making a seven-figure fitness business, but then it's like, okay, well, we know some inside information that you haven't actually done that. And also, they still don't have the fitness business. Like, I don't really understand if you've got that greater online fitness business, like you're going to be selling it for a decent chunk of money or you're just going to continue running it and systemize yourself out of it, which for me, I don't see anyone who's actually got their fitness business completely systemized themselves out and still maintaining and doing seven figures. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, well, look, like, I think this is the thing. I mean, so many people just don't understand what's going on because they take advertising that they see on Facebook for granted as like being 100% true. And I mean, obviously, that's smart marketing, right? Just admitting certain elements of the truth and people buy into that. But I guess like, just to round this off, like, I mean, what we've talked about today is basically the way that we've been making decisions in our last three to six months, how that's actually caused us to grow but also to massively improve profitability by fixing efficiencies. And we're not done. We're going to continue doing this. We have, as G said, there's multiple brands still to come. We're making major developments to our fulfillment department to improve referrals and retention and all that kind of stuff, re-signs. There's a lot still to be done. And this is the exciting game that is business. And we love it. It's like a big puzzle that you're never going to complete, right? That's basically it. And that's why we love business, right? Constantly solving problems. And it's just a world that we both love. And if you love problem solving, business is made for you pretty much. And being able to use that skill set, it just like, I suppose that's why we're in business, right? Because we love what we do. It's a real passion. It's a real hobby. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you got some real value out of it. Make sure that if you're listening or watching on YouTube that you do like and subscribe to the channel and tell your friends. Tell your friends about us if you're getting value out of it. When it comes to listening on your podcast platforms, please make sure that you also give us a five-star review there as well. We'll see you in the next episode. 